Welcome to Chromecast. Tech it out. Hosted by service-centric, people-first, UK technology consultancy, Chrome Technologies. Welcome to today's Chromecast. I'm here today with Rupert Mills, uh, Chrome's founder and my business partner, um, to talk about how to back up Office 365 and the importance of doing so. Uh, also, to address some of the misnomers and misunderstandings we have uh, around the importance of that. Hopefully, we can correct some of those points and um, educate people on some of the salient points as to why they should be backing up 365. That's the aim. Okay. So, one of the common misconceptions uh, that we have to address fairly often uh, is that there is no requirement to back up 365. It's with Microsoft. It's in the cloud. Mm-hmm. It's safe. Yep. What could go wrong? Absolutely nothing, obviously. <laughs> So, how do you address this misconception? Well, I think lots of people say, do we need to back up Office 365? And I think the most compelling argument I've found for it so far is that actually Microsoft suggests you do. Um, there's loads of different views on where to back it up, what to do, etc. But if you actually read the small print for Office 365, there's a nice line in there that basically says Microsoft recommend you back up Office 365 or back up your data using third-party applications and services. Um, and essentially what they're saying is they don't take liability for any of the data that's stored in there in the event that it gets corrupted or deleted. Um, and their get out of jail free on all of that is that they recommend in their small print that you back it up somewhere. Um, so that is often overlooked um, and not often publicized. But if you if you look in your small print, it's right there. We recommend you back it up nice. using um, third-party apps or services. It's pretty, uh, comes in. It's pretty compelling. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, that's interesting because obviously conversations I've had, you've had around uh, people making a very strong point that using the retention policies, um, the recycle bin, et cetera, et cetera, in 365 is strong enough. Clearly, even in Microsoft's own understanding of the product, it's not. Yeah, I, I think it depends on what you're talking about, what that retention policies are used for and how it works because – um, they're all there. They're, yeah, absolutely. There's some great functionality with Office 365. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest. It's got some brilliant stuff in there to keep your data safe and secure and to keep it in place. But the bottom line is that it's not, it's designed to be the equivalent of where you had the product in your own environment before. Yeah. If you had file servers, SharePoint servers, Exchange servers in your office yeah. and you move to using the 365 suite, then essentially what you're doing is moving all of that infrastructure into somewhere else. Now, as uh, an IT infrastructure person, if you were having that in your office, you'd have had a live copy and probably a DR copy, but you'd have also had a backup. And what Microsoft are giving you is the equivalent of the live copy and the DR copy, but they're not giving you the backup. And there's different reasons for why you'd want sort of the HA pair or the live and DR and and where you'd want a backup. And and it's, it's different reasons for why you need to store that data as to actually why you need to take it out of 365 and keep it somewhere. Uh, in the event that it's not there anymore. I guess that's the, the misconception between it being a, a highly available software as a service platform. Yep. Um, but obviously, that's, being highly available was very different than being backed up. Yeah, So as absolutely. you say, this whole, we've pushed it to the cloud, mm. we've pushed an element, there's still some parts we need to take care of, and clearly backup is uh, an often forgotten yet very important one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the, right, we, we've pushed it to the cloud, someone else is taking care of it. Well, they are to keep the service up and running, but if you lose your data, you lose your data. So well, By Microsoft's own 
yeah. own small print. This is this is not our problem. That's it. Yeah. So things like um, a malicious um, ex-employee or a malware attack or something like that that go and specifically delete or remove your data. Mm. Obviously, within three six five, there's things like recycle bins and ways to get that back, etc. But you don't know, for example, that you've had a malicious employee leave your office on the first of June, and you find out in November that at your year end there's some date, data missing, and you try and roll back to that, and it's not there anymore. It's too late with Microsoft because the the default policies are either ninety or ninety three days. So that's uh, gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. So they go into a recycle bin, they go into collection for 90 or 93 days, um, and after that period of time, they're gone. Um, so the, the short answer is that actually, unless you're going to look at that on a very regular basis and check all your data is still there, etc., you need some sort of backup. Um, there are ways around that. So within compliance policies and things, you can set retention policies to keep things forever. So a common way around it is to, for example, in email mm-hmm. parlance, to enable legal hold. So you basically can enable legal hold and it will keep all of your email forever, uh, which is great. But what happens if you then need to go back and search for something that's been deleted out of outside of that policy um or if someone actually makes a change to that policy accidentally so someone could re- re- could change that policy to say actually we don't need it forever we need it for 365 days um if they're the admin if you have a disgruntled yeah. admin leaving and they've got access to your 365 account they can set that policy to come down and say actually i only want to store my data for 30 days off they go and your data's gone yeah, and obviously uh, the world we're in right now with the type of fines and so on that people could face, that could yeah. have fairly astronomical ramifications. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in our world, within our client base, have we seen anyone fall victim to either data loss from 365 or malicious attack? Um not yet. We are obviously advising our clients what to do around storing that data and how to back it up and how to use various different products like the ones we offer um, to back that data up and to make sure it's secured. And we're advising them how to implement the policy. So a lot of those policies, so where I talked about the 90 or 93 days, for example, there are policies that you can put in place to enable that to be a longer period of time or to retain data. It's around getting that set up correctly in Office 365. So we haven't seen a customer lose data yet because we're trying to get things set up correctly from day one. Yeah. Where I think you'll see it is potentially the long tail of that when you go a bit further out and you say, the customer says, I've now been storing my data in Office 365 for two years and I need to go back as an audit's come in and I need to pull back to here. If they haven't implemented those policies up front, that's when I think you're going to find things that are missing, basically. And I'm hoping that with the due diligence of trying to advise customers up front and make sure that they're aware of what they're getting into, then we shouldn't hit those problems. But if you do it without thinking that through carefully, then you find that come the other end of it, you've, you might have things missing. And without a backup routine in place or a backup regime in place, then you're going to find that data is missing. Yeah. That's obviously why we start every engagement with a requirements definition workshop, ensure that we capture um, the right policies, procedures, retention uh, policies, etc. cetera. Um, obviously, we offer Veeam as a, a managed service. Um, we had some you know, good due diligence doing the market to understand that was the right product for us to take to market for our clients. Um, it'd be good if you could explain specifically why we chose Veeam to base our managed service on. From our perspective, we've been using Veeam for a long time with our clients. It's been a backup tool of choice, first to do on-premise Veeam, then we became a Veeam cloud services partner. Um, so we allow our customers to send their data offsite to us. The natural evolution for us would be to look at Office 365 within Veeam 
that said, we didn't just look at Veeam. We looked at a number of products in the marketplace and decided which was the right one because in early days, Veeam didn't have a complete offering in there. Mm -hmm. So we didn't use Veeam in the early days. We used uh, Segra, actually. So as Veeam's product offering evolved, we found that actually it became better and better at what it did, and we could then use that as our go-to-market um, solution for Office 365 Backup. So where a lot of clients use it for backing up their VMware or Microsoft environments, which obviously we get involved in, yeah. that, from our perspective, allowed us to then bring the 365 in as another bolt-in into that same offering, allowing the customers to manage it all from that same sort of look and feel, one pane of glass type thing. Uh, allowing the familiarity where they use it as a, as a product historically to then move it into using it for their cloud suite stuff. Yeah, I guess it gives them that continuity and ease of use. Yes, absolutely. It's familiarity and, and all in one place. Yeah. If we put it into our Veeam managed cloud, we can obviously then have a single charging model for not only the Office 365 data, but any data we're taking from an on-premise Veeam installation yeah. or from a cloud service operation. So we could be backing up AWS or Office 365 or Azure or anything and putting it all into one portal for customers then allows us to offer a, a more bespoke disaster recovery service to a customer. So we can, by using that tool tool set, offer restores back into other cloud platforms or whatever, being cloud neutral. So obviously, when you put everything into one cloud, if that cloud goes down, for example, if Azure had an outage, as AWS is still up, we yeah. can move customers' data around um, rather than saying, okay, I'm going to take all the native stuff offered to me by one vendor and their cloud goes down and everything's in that cloud. There's been some fairly big cloud outages recently over the sort of periods of COVID throughout this year. A lot, I think, probably due to people not going into data centers and keeping an eye on things, but that's personal opinion. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, there's, there's a number of different things going on where um, I think the, the opportunity to have resilience in a multi-cloud or multi-environment um, mm. gives you the best of both worlds, basically. Interesting point. Um, I mean, obviously, this this push to the cloud doesn't seem to be slowing down. We speak to a lot of customers who have a, a cloud-first strategy, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, personally, I don't think everything fits that cloud model. Uh, I think there's still a good argument for certainly hybrid and certainly still on-prem in mm-hmm. some cases. Um, how do you, uh, A, as uh, a technologist... <laughs> Be as a business owner, weigh up what should and shouldn't be. You know, how should we utilize the cloud and why? I think it's a question of working out what the business needs. Um, so generally, you end up with a scenario quite often where the, the tail wags the dog, for a better way of putting it. Technology people decide they want to use a technology and then they shoehorn the business's requirements into that technology. Yeah. From my perspective, it's, okay, what does the business actually need? Cloud offers huge amounts of flexibility. It offers easy scalability it allows a sort of pay-as-you-go model for want of a better way of putting it consume as you go um which is great it's brilliant from flexibility perspective but actually if you know the the model of what your data footprint is and what you're doing with it it's generally cheaper to run it on premise um and that can give the business model uh, business money to invest in all sorts of other areas. Uh, that said, it's a question of looking at what the right thing is for the business case in each individual scenario. Mm. I think the way Office 365 is going, I think it's going to be a no-brainer for pretty much every customer out there. But that said, we've had some situations where people can't migrate to Office 365 because of geographic location, internet connectivity, all those other things. And those will be the niche plays. But those are the ones where you say one size doesn't fit all. With the, with the backup scenario... A lot of the 
things we're looking at at the moment are where do you and how do you do your DR? So cloud gives some great options for DR where you can say actually taking the Veeam backup product again, you can take a backup of an environment and restore it back into the cloud, which means instead of buying a disaster recovery environment and having it running the whole time and depreciating, you can consume your disaster recovery environment on the day. That for me makes complete commercial sense. That said, if you take your standard platform and you move that whole thing to the cloud, I suspect that probably some elements will be absolutely ideally suited to cloud mm. and some elements you'd have been far better off keeping on-premise and running as they were. Yeah. And that's that hybrid model you talk about. I think the hybrid is the right model. Yeah. It's just trying to get people to look at the, what the business requirements are and, and act appropriately on those. Yeah. So we've talked uh, about you know the adoption of on-premise or sort of hybrid cloud or this push to the cloud. Um, how does that change the best practice model for data backup? So traditionally, backup would be three copies, one production, two backup, and one of those backup off-site. That's kind of your best practice for backup for years. With cloud services, my suggestion would be that you consider exactly the same best practice, but consider the cloud as your site. So you'd have three copies. One is your production in the cloud. Then you've got a backup copy in the cloud. So using the native cloud protection tools that are inside something like Office 365, that'll keep your data for a period of time and keep you roughly there, but your off-site copy that you'd have historically sent off to Iron Mountain or backed up into a cloud service like our Veeam Cloud offering, you could then need to still take off-site if you consider that cloud as your site. So take it outside of the Microsoft ecosystem, take it into somewhere else and look at that, be it AWS, we put it in Glacier or something like that, put it on a cloud service like us. The considerations around that are when you come to do your DR. How long is it going to take to do a, a disaster recovery scenario? And also, if you have to do an annual DR test or a six-monthly DR test, the costs of doing that, because if you put it into somewhere as a deep storage, the costs of reinflating that and the time taken to get that data back out can often be prohibitively expensive. So if you've got that as part of your compliance regime, it ought to be considered as to actually how, how do we get that data back and what do we do with it and how quickly can we do that? What's it going to cost us? So overall, that whole cloud workshop you talked about, we go through and define the various different things that you need to do to look at where are we backing it up, how are we backing it up, and what's it costing us, so that there are no nasty surprises. Clearly, it's very important to ensure that we're backing up that data in the correct fashion uh, with the correct people uh, and you know, using the appropriate technologies. So thank you for your time today, Rupert. Not at all. Uh, I encourage you to, to like, comment, and share. Uh, if you can leave questions in the comments, we will answer them. Uh, if you'd like to put uh, anything you'd like us to talk about on the podcast in the comments section as well, please do so. Your input will shape these conversations and the guests that we have. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us on Chromecast. Take it out. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. For more information or to speak to Chrome, visit www.chrome.co.uk, spelled K-R-O-M-E. That's chrome.co.uk.